Open your Bibles with me this morning to the book of James. Aren't you thankful that the church is still moving on? Even through all adversity, and I know I have friends all around the country who pastor great churches, and they've been through a lot of adversity over the past two years. And uh, yeah, even this past week, even this morning, one of my retired professor friends was contacting me this morning saying he'd lost two minister friends of his within the past week. And just, you know, the bat, the, we, we keep fighting, but hey, we've already won the war. I mean, the battle has already been won by the Lord, so we just keep pushing and pushing the church forward. So if you have your Bibles, open to the book of James. I preached this sermon this week by video for the Edenton guys, and we, it, was, it was thick in here. We had church in here. Then I preached it this morning to the 9 o'clock and felt like I was plowing rocks. So this isn't an easy message. So y'all, uh, y'all got to give me some love here. And uh, Okay, I'm going to do like an old preacher Jack used to travel with said. When I say this, it's amen. amen. Okay, let's try that again. I do this, it's hallelujah. hallelujah. Yes, okay, you got it. So I flail my hands all the time, so pick whichever one you want to and just get with me, all right? Book of James chapter 1, I'm going to begin reading in verse 21 and, and catch some of this, a little bit of this context, okay? James chapter 1, verse 21. Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty continues in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. This one will be blessed in what he does. Can we say amen? Amen. Don't be a hearer only, but be a doer. Put some action to it. Put some action to your faith. James goes on and says, faith without action, faith without works is dead. He said, somebody says, I'll show you my faith. James said, I'll show you my faith by what I do. It's a tough book, man. It's, we, we need to read it as a tonic every now and then. It's a tough book. Actions are important. Last week I talked about how important our words were. Week before that I talked about the thought life and how the battle is in our mind and how important our thoughts are. Well, our actions are important too. I mean, we're like working thoughts to words to actions. It's this progression we're on. Actions are super important. It's a real disconnect if we believe we can serve the Lord and not do any actions for the Lord, not do any works. It's a, that's a real disconnect of faith. Francis Chan did a short film series called Basic, and in it he used an illustration, an example, of how dumb it looks if he were to tell his daughter to do something, but she responded in this way. He said, what if I told my daughter... Go clean your room. And I come back to check on her later, and she says, Dad, I memorized what you said. Go clean your room. But she didn't clean her room. 
Then he comes back later, and she still hasn't cleaned her room, and he asks her about it, and she says, I memorized it in Greek. I know it in Greek. Go clean your room. But she still didn't clean her room. Then he comes back a final time and says, did you clean your room? And she says, well, I've asked a group of friends to gather with me over here, and every week we're going to sing, and we're going to study how to clean our rooms. but they never cleaned their room. You know, it's a ridiculous example. And he said, why do we think that that kind of approach is going to work with Jesus? When he said in Luke chapter 6, verse 46, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? There's an importance to doing the right things to doing godly actions, letting your faith speak out in good works. Because good works are important. We don't hear sermons enough, I don't think, on good works. And I'm going to show you today, I think, a way that we can get back on track and and the importance of doing good works. But before that, let's go into history. Let's go to the 13th century. And let's talk about Thomas Aquinas. So hang, just hang on with me here for three or four or five minutes. Well, hang on with me till the end, please. <laughs> but, but especially over the next five minutes. So Thomas Aquinas was a medieval philosopher and theologian who said this. He talked about the importance of habits and actions. And he was deliberating and picking apart in philosophy how our actions actually come to be. And I found it fascinating. Basically, Aquinas says there's a discussion that goes on within your soul realm. And when you're confronted with a proposal or a possibility of doing something, then you have this deliberation within you. And he said the will gets involved and your love center gets involved. What do you love? And since in his philosophy each person should pursue the greatest good, Really, we want to pursue the greatest good. But then there's a discussion that goes on within us. Let's say I was invited to a birthday party. I have a proposal. Should I go to the birthday party? It comes into me as knowledge. Then it goes into my soul, and I start thinking about it. Okay, am I available? Do I have a love for it? Do I want to go? Then do I have the will to do it? And if I decide it's a thing I'm available to do and I want to do, then my will gets involved and I make a decision. And then that decision communicates with my body parts and it becomes an execution. And I tell myself, get up, get ready, get dressed, get the car started, go to the birthday party. Then after that, I deliberate about the party in what he calls... um, works of fruition, and I try to determine, was it a good thing? Did I enjoy it? There's like a, a, a you know, retrospective look at it to see if it was a good thing. So anyhow, there's this big discussion happening within you, whether you should do this or whether you should not do this. I found it was fascinating because, you know, many people believe that uh, they have no control over their actions. Well, everybody else was doing it. I just went with the crowd and and did what everyone else was doing. Well, you always have 
an option to say yes or no. You always have an option to say yes or no when confronted with the possibility of action. And here's, here's the thing that I really want to press down on you this morning is that our actions have consequences. So we better be careful and listen to Scripture before we make the, the decision to do certain actions. Can you shout amen? amen? What begins in knowledge goes down into the will and is wrestled with between the will and the love center of man and it comes out as a yes or no. Hallelujah. Within the decision-making process. Now, there's all kinds of external influences going on. There's Satan and all his horde. There's the Holy Spirit working. There's influence of parents, influence of mentors. There's data that we can gather. I mean, there's a lot, there's a lot of things working to help us make the decision. But you're in the right house this morning. You're in the right place to get formed and fashioned to make the right decisions. So let's walk through these this morning. First of all, we got to realize that actions have temporal consequences or temporary consequences in terms of eternity. Our actions have temporary or temporal consequences. Turn with me into the book of Galatians chapter 6. I'm going to show you the context of a passage we use often, and I really didn't even realize the context was what it was when I went back and studied this afresh. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1 says, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. So he's talking here about someone committing the wrong actions and getting caught in sin. Then he says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one examine his own work and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For each one shall bear his own load. Talking about the importance of doing Right. Then he comes down to verse 6. Let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever a man sows that will that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reach corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. So if you look at verses 1 through 10, it's talking about right actions, doing the right things, and if someone has fallen into wrong actions, the spiritual people go restore that person in a spirit of gentleness. It's what the church is about, right? Taking heed lest you don't get also caught up or trapped up in their fault. So what's going on here? It's about right action. And then he says, whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. If you sow to the bad, there will be a bad crop come up. If you sow the good, a good crop will come up. There are temporary, temporal consequences to what we do. We had a former sheriff and a current sheriff in our early service. And I preached this, and one of the the current sheriff walks up to me, and he says, would you be willing to speak to teenagers because they need to hear this message right here you're preaching? Because I made a statement, I wish I could preach to 30,000 teens this morning. 
Because he said actions mean something because actions have consequences. And I told him, I said, and you deal with it every single day of your life. And so he's telling us, if you sow good actions, you're going to get good results. If you sow bad actions, you'll get bad results. We use this forgiving a lot in church, and I think it's okay, but I'm looking at the broader context as being one of right and wrong actions. Now, we don't believe in karma. Let me distinguish this. We don't believe in karma. Karma is a Hindu idea that comes out of Eastern philosophy, that, and it's their way of dealing with evil, really, since they don't have redemption, they don't have atonement, they don't have a Savior like Jesus. So what they have to do is say, what happens to all the bad that's done? Well, to them, the bad is going to be stored up, and then when you leave this life, they believe in reincarnation, so you're going to come back around, and you'll have to deal with all of that stuff on the next go-around. But the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible doesn't teach that we have another go-around after this life. I'm not reincarnated. I wasn't something else in a previous life. This is the only shot we have at it. And so we don't believe that, that, that the bad works store up and they come to us in another life. No, I don't, you know, and there's some kind of floating spiritual principle like that. But there is a biblical principle of sowing and reaping. That if you do bad things, you're going to get bad results. You do good things, you're generally going to get good results. There are exceptions to the rule, but that's generally the way it goes. Can someone shout amen? amen. Hang out with bad people you probably are going to get into bad things. Hang out with good people, you're probably going to get into some good things. You being in church this morning is probably going to end up really good for you. You're hanging around a lot of people in here who are born again, filled with the Spirit, they're on fire for Jesus, and if you hang around them long enough, you're probably going to get on fire... Yeah, somebody shout hallelujah. Come on, just just rub up to your neighbor a little bit. You can do it figuratively if they're sitting way beyond you. you Get some of that off on you. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. You need to rub elbows in church, you know what I'm saying? I love church online. It's an amazing tool, but you've got to get some face-to-face. Not only do actions have temporal or temporary consequences, actions also have eternal consequences according to Scripture. Huge. There are eternal consequences. I want you to notice the book of Romans chapter 2. Book of Romans chapter 2. Book of Romans chapter 1. Paul has given us really a history of how mankind fell into a sinful state and forsook God and turned to their own ways and turned to evil and idolatry and all that. Then he comes in verse chapter 2 and verse 1 and he says, Therefore you are inexcusable, O man, whoever you are who judge. For in whatever you judge one another, you'll condemn yourself. For you who judge practice the same things. Paul's really hitting them below the belt here. Why? Because you're, you think you're so righteous that you're judging other people, but you're doing the same stuff. Well, but we know that the judgment of God is according to truth against those who practice such things. And do you think this, O man who judge 
those practicing such things and doing the same things, that you will escape the judgment of God. Now he talks about the judgment of God. He says, or do you despise the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? There is an option here. Then he says in verse 5, but in accordance with your hardness and your impenitent heart, you are treasuring up for yourselves wrath in the day of wrath and revelation the righteous judgment of God who will render to each one according to his deeds. He's saying, you guys shouldn't, the whole context, you guys shouldn't be judging because really you're living no better. And if you're not living any better, I just want to let you know you could turn to repentance because God is so good that He leads men to repentance because of His sheer goodness. But if you don't turn to Him, then here's what's going to happen. You're storing up all of these works. And they're going to come and bite you in the end because there's a judgment day coming. And God's going to judge each person according to their works. Over and over and over in the New Testament, he talks about judgment according to works. Then he goes on down and he says, Eternal life to those who by patient continuance in doing good seek for glory, honor, and immortality. But to those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, wrath, tribulation, anguish on every soul who does evil of the Jew first and also the Greek. He's saying there's coming a reckoning. There's coming an eternal reckoning. There's a day of judgment where each person will be judged according to their works. He says in 2 Corinthians 5, 9, Therefore we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to Him. For we must all, everybody say all, all. we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. Some people have made a distinction between the great white throne judgment in the end and the judgment seat of Christ that he's talking about here. And maybe that's the case. I'll just put the options out before you. It's, it's, and that kind of thinking is that once the church is raptured in a pre-tribulational setting, that we'll have to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. We're going to be, we're going to be saved and accepted because of that, but all of our works will be examined. Or some other scholars believe that it just is, he's just speaking about the last judgment, just in a general sense, where each man will have to stand and have his works judged and examined. Whether saved or not, still have to have your works examined. Somebody say amen or oh me. But you're saying, well, Hans, if I can just accept the Lord and go to heaven, why does it matter what I do? Why does it matter? What does it matter? What I, did my actions have any kind of consequence? Well, let me just, let me let me say, if you make it to heaven, it still matters what you do down here. It still matters. Number one, if you're living a life of sin and indifference, you know what? You're going to have a miserable Christian life. You're not going to have joy on the journey. Because you're always going to be in between these two things. I love the Lord. I've accepted Christ into my heart. But yet, I kind of want the world too. And I'm kind of hanging on out here to the world. And you're straddling the fence. And it's about to pull you apart. And then you come to church and you get convicted because you hear sermons like this. And 
you got grandmama praying for you and pouring the fire down on you, and you, you know, you're just living a miserable life. Why don't you just go ahead and get on fire for Jesus and deal with it? Just go ahead and get on fire. Just go ahead and leave the world behind. Get on fire for the Lord and. Or a second thing can happen. Maybe you're on your way to heaven, hallelujah, washed in the blood, but you're living such a lax life that you're missing out on the opportunity to tap into the power and the Holy Spirit anointing that you could be tapping into. You could be walking in spiritual authority and power and gifts and anointings. You could be healing the sick, raising the dead, casting out demons, preaching the gospel, but you're too fixated on all that stuff. Okay. Or a third reason, maybe you're on your way to heaven and blood washed and all that, but you're not where you need to be on fire. And because of that, you're missing out on open doors of opportunity that would otherwise be presented to you if you were on fire for the Lord. Because I, I just, just from my own experience serving the Lord for these years, that almost 40 years, that just I, I just want to get more, I just want to fall more in love with Jesus. I, I, I love what, I love what, uh, Culiano said, that's Benny Hinn's son-in-law. He said about this year, he, made, he said, here's my New Year's resolutions. Five things, and you got to get them in order or they're not going to work right. Here are five New Year's resolutions I have. Number one, spend more time with Jesus. Number two, spend more time with Jesus. <laughs> number three, spend more time with Jesus. Number, and number four and five, spend more time with Jesus. I, I want to spend more time with him. I want to know him more. I want to feel his presence. I want to understand his ways. I want to hear his voice so I can walk through all the doors that he wants to open for my life. So are actions important? Actions are very important. And listen, I don't understand the judgment in the totality. I've studied it. This is all I get from understanding Scripture is that when you and I stand before the judgment seat of Christ, as born-again believers, we're still going to be judged according to the works that we've done on planet Earth. What's going to be the reward of that? Not totally sure. But I know that the Bible says we will be rewarded. So I'm not totally sure. I don't know if that means you've done very little, so you get 300 foot, Efficiency apartment. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's going to be like that. But And somebody else is over here like living fine. No, I, all of us are going to be, just to be in heaven is going to be good, right? That's going to be like good enough. But, but think about it. You think, you pray about it. You research. There are, there are rewards coming to those who have done certain great works on earth will be judged according to our works. Now, one more scripture on this. Revelation chapter 20, verse 12. John said, I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were open. Another book was open, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged according to their works, according to their works, according to their works, by the things which were written in the books. What are the books? I don't know. One of them's the book of life. Maybe the other one's the Bible. Maybe the other, I don't know what they are, but books are going to be opened. 
and we'll be judged according to how we lived according to that. Wow. So, I hope I haven't preached you down into a hole. Because I got good news I'm going to bring you out right now. Your actions can change. This is what I'm I'm preaching for life change here. Your actions can change. You can change. You can change now. You can change at 12.08 p.m. You can change now. Maybe you've been taught you can't change. Maybe you've been taught that you were born this way and it's just the way it goes. Maybe you were taught where your dad was a loser, you're going to be a loser. Your mom was an unrighteous lady, you're going to be an unrighteous lady. No, 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 no. All of that, put all of that aside, you can change right now. You can change right now. The Bible says repent. I preached about this two weeks ago. When you repent, it's a changing of mind and it's a changing of heart. And once you change your mind, then you turn around and you start walking the other way. Notice this. Repentance is the English translation of the Greek term metanoia, which literally means change of mind and it's expressing sorrow for the ways in which we have offended God. That's repentance. But it means much more. Repentance is a change of mind and actions where we cease our approval of wickedness and justification of bad behavior. It's a reorientation of one's life from self toward the Lord. So it, 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 and it doesn't just involve the beginning of the Christian life. Oh, I repented in 1985. That's not just the only time we repent. I think we're to walk in a constant attitude of repentance I think we're to walk in a constant attitude of repentance I think we should have a daily checkup Lord search my heart if there's any unclean way in me God forgive me of sin forgive me of thoughts that have passed through my mind forgive me of attitudes that that sprung up today Lord cleanse me wash me and we walk in a constant state of repentance and we walk humble and supple and tender before the Lord John the Baptist didn't tell the folks at the River Jordan, be baptized and you're good to go. No, he said, be baptized, repent, and bring forth fruits worthy of repentance. Then go out and do the stuff that you're supposed to be doing. Read the Old Testament prophets. Go treat people right. Let your laws be right. Let your pay scale be right. Treat people right in the court systems. On and on and on and on. Justice, justice, justice. Calling for right behavior, right behavior, right behavior. There is a reckoning coming. Today, you can change it. You can turn it around. Somebody says, well, if you're born a certain way, you're born with blue eyes, you can't change them. Maybe that's so, but you were born with a wicked heart. And I know for a fact, I'm a living testimony that God can wash you that black heart of yours in His red crimson blood and turns out to be a white product holy and pure before the Lord. 
and then he writes your name in the Lamb's book of life. Your, your record is set in heaven. All of your past sins are forgiven. Then he sends the power of his Holy Spirit into your heart. So when the deliberation goes on, should I do this? Should I not do this? You're not left alone now to your own devices. But you have the power of the Holy Spirit living within you. Knocking. Saying, go this way. Don't go this way. You have training and skill in the Word of God that is speaking to you when you make a decision. Do this or don't do this. You have a church praying for you. You have people behind you. You have mentors fashioning you into the right ways to go so that your decisions can be made right and you can stand in the end having some works to show for all of these years you've been serving the Lord. Come on, put your hands together and give the Lord a praise. My grandma always used to say, it means something to serve the Lord. It does. It means something to serve the Lord. It means something to take the name of Christ. Now, all of us are different, and all of us have different gifts and personalities and all that mix, but when we squeeze you, you should ooze out good works. I'm not going to squeeze you, metaphorically. When we squeeze you, it should come out good works. If you leave here and you can't wait to get to work to cheat somebody tomorrow, or you can't wait to lie about something, or you can't wait to cheat on your wife, or you can't wait to get home to get back on porn on the internet, brother, you better do a heart check, man. You better do a heart check and say, God, cleanse me. Cleanse me, Lord. Lord, if there's any unright way in me, God, take it out. I don't want to be, I, I want to be clean before you. I didn't do this in early service, but I'm going to read something here and we're going to close. Psalm 51. The psalmist, and here's the, here's the header of the psalm. A psalm of David when Nathan the prophet went to him after he had gone into Bathsheba. David had committed adultery. Were the, okay, yeah, l- 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 before I read that, let me throw this one on you. Thank you all for hanging on with me. Gives the snow more time to accumulate. This meme came up the other day on Instagram, and I showed it to my daughter. Noah got drunk. Jacob lied. Moses murdered. Rahab was a prostitute. David had an affair. Peter denied Jesus. God loves you too much to leave you broken. That's a truth, and I love it. I love that. That's a true word. It should encourage you. But since I was studying about the importance of actions... I looked at it and said, Noah got drunk. Yes, and his brothers had to cover up his nakedness because Canaan saw his nakedness. Therefore, Canaan was cursed because of it. There was a consequence to his drunkenness. Jacob lied, yeah, and had to go wrestle with the angel and had his hip put out of place and walk with the limp for the rest of his life and shook in his boots for how long until he came and faced the consequences of his lying and cheating. 
Moses murdered. Yep, and he had to go for 40 years to the backside of the desert and become a nobody and let God ring him out and get him to a point where he could go back and hear the word of the Lord and obey the word of the Lord. David had an affair. Yep, and the kingdom split, lost the son. He was dethroned at one point. His sons were losers. Sorry, Peter denied the Lord. Yeah, Peter denied the Lord and he went out and wept bitterly. Wept bitterly in repentance. There's always a consequence. And so and I love grace. I'm like, grace is why we're here. I believe in grace more than you all. But sometimes we preach this oversaturation of grace to where it seems like there's no reason to do anything good or live any way holy anymore. I'm just trying to bring a balance to it and say actions matter. They matter. Here's what David prayed after he, after he was found out. He, he didn't go to repentance. After he sinned, he didn't go to repentance. He just started covering up and covering up and covering up until finally God sent the prophet to him and told him this sad story. And David's like, oh, who is the man in this story? I'm going to have him and blah, blah, blah. And the prophet stands up and says... It's you, and the lights come on for David, and and thank God he was a man of God, and he knew how to pray, and here he prayed in Psalm 51, have mercy on me, O God, according to your loving kindness. That word loving kindness in Hebrew is chesed. It's probably the closest to the New Testament word grace we have. According to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from sin. You know what an old old school ink blotter did? Speaking of blotting, it, it wasn't to erase. If you could catch it in time when the ink hit the paper, you could put a blotter on it and it would absorb it and take it off the page. Just something to think about. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts and in the hidden part you will make me to know wisdom and purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness that the bones you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit that I may teach transgressors your way and sinners shall be converted to you. That's a true heart of repentance. And what happened? He changed it. He changed course. He had to live with the consequences, but he changed direction and I believe had a tender heart before the Lord for the rest of his life. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you so much for joining us online and I hope the message was a real blessing to you. You know, eternity is a real thing. You're going to spend eternity somewhere. According to the scriptures, you spend eternity in one of two places. First of all, heaven. Paul said to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. 
Or number two, in hell. Uh, Jesus talked about the rich man who went to hell and was in great torment. And he was begging Abraham to send someone, a messenger, to tell his family. Well, listen, you're hearing the message today. Eternity is real, and you're going to spend it in one of two places. So why don't let's decide right now, me and you, that you're going to spend it in heaven. How do you do that? You accept Jesus into your heart. Open up your heart and say, Lord, come in. Cleanse me of all sin. I accept you as my Lord and take the throne of my life as yours. Okay? So let's pray right now. Just pray with me right where you are. Just repeat this. Father in heaven, I, I remove myself from the throne of my heart. And Jesus, I invite you to sit on the throne of my heart. Forgive me of all sin. Wash me in your precious blood. And I accept your sacrifice for me. And I thank you, Lord, for cleansing me, for saving me, and for accepting me. In Jesus' name I pray. Can you say amen right where you're at? Hey, thank you for joining us. And please come back, get in, get in the Word, get in the flow of the Spirit. And uh, we're just blessed to have you with us and look forward to seeing you the next time.